podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First time here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run. Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Welcome, welcome, and good evening to whoever's listening live on this stream, or if you're listening on the Saturday morning. Welcome to the pod. This is uh, Touchline Hotspur under the Touchline Fracker banner. Brought to you by the new Spurs order. I'll be your host to today, this morning. It's me, X-Pack from the NSO, also aka Owen. And with me, I've got Scott Hall, aka Yao. How's it going? I'm good. I've got some comments to make. Um, I'd probably say this before we get into it, but uh, yeah, new no out. <laughs> that might even be the pot title off the bat. Who knows? And I've also joined by uh, Booker T, aka Tops, aka Ledley King. Um, how are you doing, man? I'm sorry if that joke was a bit too early. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. You know what? I've been on the pod in a minute, man. So, um, I suppose, fortunately or unfortunately, however you look at it, yeah, I've been brought, I've been brought back to the UK. So, um, yeah, back in the pod with, with you guys, but nothing to really uh, write home about, all things considering Spurs. So. Yeah, exactly. And uh, from what it sounds like from uh, a little pod chat before we started recording, you've got away from football, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We'll get you into that new beginnings. Uh, so we obviously come off our game on the weekend. Um, we'll get into tonight's game first. We ended up playing in the prestigious UEFA Conference League first. Uh, a little bit of controversy beforehand. I think it was announced yesterday or the day before that Nuno didn't even um, decide to let the, the, all the players that played against Newcastle, um, bar Hugo Loris, so... All the outfield players weren't allowed to train. They were basically told they weren't going to be travelling for the game. Uh, yeah, did you have any qualms about that? And what um, Nuno planned in terms of just refreshing the squad and playing only the fringe players, taking none of the first-team players, without the benefit of the hindsight of the result? Um, so, the idea of taking the fringe players in the grand scheme of things is the correct decision, especially for an away trip um, in this conference league. It's not the Europa League, uh, what was, you know, back in the day, the UEFA Cup, and it's not the Champions League. Um, so in not taking the 
first team but taking you know the fringe players i think that wasn't the bad decision the problem is and this always will be the problem is how good these fridge players are yeah and the fact of the matter is we knew from when he or when it came out that uh he wasn't going to take any of the first team players or bar um hugo Lloris, that the likely midfield was going to be Deli Ali, Winks, and um, Lacelso. That three is easily, easily worse than the weakest lineup of the Power Rangers. Yeah, remember back in the day, three Power Rangers would turn up; they would just get tucked in by a monster, and then they would have to send for the big guns. The Green Ranger, Ooh. the Red Ranger, maybe sometimes the Black Ranger. You know, sometimes, yeah, that the man used to get whacked up until they had their own episodes. But I digress. The problem we had here is you look at that lineup and you probably think to yourself, Brian Hill, yeah, you know, decent, cool, get about. Scarlet, you know, good prospect and all that kind of jazz. Bergwijn, sell him. We should we should really leave him in Holland. He's there. You're home, innit? Don't, don't, you don't need to go nowhere. Stay there, bro. <laughs> like, like, it's useless. Absolutely useless. Um, Le Celso, oh my gosh. How far is, is Holland from Spain? Because he could return back to Betis for all I care, bro. Like, the guy was useless. But the one, I, there's two. Because I'm not going to talk about the defence. Because if I'm being honest with you, the defence, for the most part of the game, done what they're there to do defend yeah it wasn't pretty but they did enough to try and stave off any sort of defeat but these two players i'm gonna highlight and i'm telling you now i've reached my tether like if i wasn't there last week i'm definitely there this week and i'm never coming back down his name is harry stinko stinks and the other one still has beef with his father. We sent tops to Nigeria to try and make it look good. And that didn't even work out. Yeah. So we're now <laughs> back to square one. Delhi, I don't like my father, Ali. Listen, listen. This is meant to be the lowest tier of European football. The lowest tier of European football. You can't hack it at that level. Winks can't hack it at this level. The lowest tier of European football is probably not far off the championship, if I'm being honest with you. It probably is, in terms of level, the championship. Yeah, It so, might be the team that Roma lost 6-1 to earlier today, to be fair. It, I, from what I heard, Roma put out a weak squad as well because they got Napoli on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. it was a fringe squad. But yeah, yeah still so, some good players there. So my thing is, our fringe team or our second team is clearly not good enough. Our under-23s are not good enough to be going up against these European teams because they will get beat up. Our under-23 squad will just get tucked in. That's facts. So I don't want to see Winks or Ali anywhere near a Premier League game. Anywhere near. As far as I'm concerned, the Conference League and the Carabao Cup, that is your competition. Until the time comes when we're ready to sell you, you are no longer allowed to get minutes 
in the Premier League or the FA Cup. And if you do get minutes in either of those competitions, if I'm in the stadium, I'll boo you. If I'm at home, I'll boo you. If I'm on road and I see that you've been subbed on, I'll boo you. If I'm on the bus, I'll boo you. If I'm in a car, I'll boo you. I'll boo you in front of my wife. I'll boo you in front of my kids. I'll boo you in front of your own wife. And I'll boo you in front of your own kids. It's disgusting. Yeah, I don't want to see these guys ever again. Useless. Bad performance with that, said, them with that being said, I blame the goal on both of them, by the way. Wow. And with that being said, I can't comment on either of those players because I didn't see the game. But Tobbs, um, you did so obviously sit Vitesse on him sixth in the Eredivisie. Uh, line up, if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna try and remember it off the top of my head. Uh, Golini, Tanganga, right back, Davinson Sanchez, Rodon, Ben Davis, yeah, uh, Winks, Lacelso, Delhi, and then Bergvine, Kiel, and Young Dane Scarlet. Um, what I hear from you, like, you obviously saw the game as well. Who would you say played well? I'll go half by half as well. And who played particularly bad for you? And how did you see the whole kind of dynamic of the game play out across the 90 minutes? The whole dynamic, dynamic of the game? Um, to answer the second question first, uh, it was a disjointed performance. Disjointed. That's very, very had very, very little cohesion. Oh, I mean, I give them the benefit of the doubt because they're 11 players who basically don't get first team minutes anymore or who haven't been getting first team minutes and don't play regularly together. But, I mean, oh, it says one thing about the manager if he feels that he needs to rest all 11 players because the ones that he's going to play in the tournament he thinks they are you know sufficient enough to do the job uh, against sit in the Dutch league away from home um, and to still play so abjectly so quite poorly throughout really um, you know with, without much fight didn't look like we were that determined to try and get anything out of the game um, I think we had one shot off target in the first half, no shots, on, no shots on target in the first half, and then in the end, only ended up with like two shots on target. I mean, it wasn't really anything to write home about. Um, if I'm thinking about the performances, the first half, um, I mean, in spells, Brian Hill looked like kind of bright. But the issue with Brian Hill, and I, and, I, and I kind of thought it when we first signed him, but I'm seeing it more and more, is that he's very, very... He always looks very lightweight. Um, so in a, in a game against, you know, what is largely men, 50-50s, um, he was losing out on them. I really can't give any credit to anyone in that first half. Um, Stephen Bergeron, poor. Um, I'm never really going to give... I'm never going to give a bad rating to like Scarlett because he's very young still, still you know finding his way, getting just minutes here and there, and obviously like the um, the service in behind him was absolutely shocking as usual um, from those guys in there. 
Second half, I, I thought Harry Winks improved a little bit. Ew. Again, I just thought, oh, just anything that was then fed into the final third to, to Ali and Lachoso was at such a poor level. I mean, um, even, even in defence, when I think about what we were doing, um, you could see guys who were clearly rusty, guys who didn't play regularly, Rodon, Sanchez, you know, lots of miscommunication. Um, you know, and also the seeding what was quite a poor sort of goal, middle of the or yeah, middle of the second half, where the guy really, you know, had enough space on the edge of the box to volley in with no one pressing him, almost like he was he was in a training session. So I mean mm. this game is just I know it's the Europa Conference League. It's not really against opposition or any real pedigree, but you still kind of want the team to give a better account of themselves. And, you know, time and time again, we've seen um, a lot of this group, this, this team as well that played today, you know, sadly, they just can't be trusted in the first. They can't be trusted. And that's really, that, there's a reason why they're not in the first team, uh, unfortunately. Like, I'm not, I'm not really going to bang this drum anymore because I feel everyone knows that bar our first team, the quality of the squad is very, very lackluster. Um, and today, a game like that against a side who seem to want it more in quite an uncompromising atmosphere, we flatten mm. again. Um, so I'm not really... I'm, I'm unsurprised, if anything, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think um, I'll echo that slightly in terms of who I was kind of most disappointed in from what it sounds like um, to be bad performances in Lachelso and Bergwijn in particular, because they've both essentially been the closest to challenge to the first team. They've had minutes in the league this season, a fair amount of minutes as well. And you'd look at them to challenge for their places, especially when the right wing spot is still essentially up for grabs for, for Bergwijn. There's still minutes to be had for Lachelso in that midfield. There's, we're still light in there. I think the, the game tonight just highlights how... Uh, how light we are in midfield. And um, I kind of wanted to ask, like, how that second half, like, went, like, how much did we really improve the first half? Because I'm looking, I said I didn't get to see the game, but I'm looking and we only made one substitute. Um, we didn't exactly pack heavy in terms of high pedigree players on the side's bench, but it was only Mark and that come up for Scarlett and no other subs were made. So was there even like an inkling in that second half that suggested we could even get the win? No. Um, if I'm honest with you, there really wasn't. Um, we had quite a good chance, kind of sort of uh, created in many respects for himself by Brian Hill, hit the crossbar early in the second half. Um, but honestly, Owen, um, after that, <laughs> I mean, I'm really... You know, thinking about the game and thinking about what we did today, um, it was it was very abject. And what was so frustrating as well is that, like, you you look, you know, this is what he calls like the second team or the second team squad, or whatever. And you're looking at them and thinking, okay, fine, if they're not going to do anything, what do we even have on the bench to try and improve it? And even it's even more lackluster on the bench, even more um, more youth, more inexperience. So it's just like, 
there's nothing that we could have really done to make things better. What we needed were was for our more senior players, senior players, the Lachelsos, the Allies, the Winks, the Bergwins, to kind of step up and just take the game and try and win it for us. And effectively, you know, the game petered out in the end. Um, to be honest, oh. and uh, I, do you know what? Like these these kind of tournaments. You know, these group stage games of the Europa Conference, Europa League type games. These are the, these are actually games that I feel now for players like Bergerin, Ali, Winks. These are the games that they actually get their minutes. And time and time again, these guys just disappoint at this level. So it's just very, very frustrating because you also know as well that come a Sunday, come a Saturday in the Premier League, these guys won't start, but they're going to be the ones flooding and filling the spaces on the bench with their shit quality. And it's just like, if they're not going to do it on a random Thursday in fucking Holland, what about them think that they're going to suddenly come off the bench against a raucous crowd in Crystal Palace or West Ham or Burnley and change the game for us, you know? So then we start looking at the bigger picture of, well, our squad planning four. Our recruitment could have been improved. Maybe our transfer window wasn't as good as you know we all kind of maybe thought it, it it kind of was to start with. So this is where we are. I mean, I don't think it's it's being helped by um, what I think is a very average coach. Um, and we're still finding our way. I suppose we've had a bit of a bad run and we've had a couple of good results, but then you know this kind of performance kind of brought us back a little bit again. But hopefully this weekend we can kind of revert to how we did last weekend that's okay you know, like for can, me yeah, can yeah. I add a little bit onto that yeah can i just say that nuno resting these players or the first team yeah i'm i'm not actually mad at him for i still want nuno sacked i want him gone today yeah but that's a different story in terms of what the decision he took i'm not mad at i'm not mad at all yeah, because I already know that a lot of the players at this club are dry. I know this. Yeah. And I would rather that these crap players put their body on the line in this competition as opposed to us sending Endombele to freaking and skip. Let me let me highlight skip because he's our only DM. Sending <laughs> these guys to to Holland in the Europa Conference League for them to get injured. And then was screwed, yeah, because early on in the season, when we had the first international break, we lost like four players because of these, these stupid restrictions. This international mm. break just gone, we nearly lost another four players. That's the thing. Like, we had to rest those South American players anyway. Um, and I was going to say, like, um, more or less what you're going to say, like, I kind of give Nuno a bit of credit for the squad management because... I don't care about the Conference League personally. I more care about some of these players who should be challenging for first-team uh, places performing better. Um, it just shows that, again, just like last season, they essentially can't be trusted. There's only one or two players that we could have relied on from the fringe squad last year. Even then, that would have been a reach. And this season, seemingly no one's really really challenging which is unfortunate um but yeah i think nuno's kind of seen 
I guess what 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 happened to us last year in the Europa League, like we started to stumble around this point where we were using most of our first team in the Europa League. And again, if it was the Europa League, I would get it because it's fairly prestigious and you can get Champions League through that route if you win it. Mm-hmm. I get it. For the Conference League, will it even be here in five years' time? Right, Probably no. not. Yeah. Is it prestigious even if we do win it? No. Does any of the fan base truly care? No. Do the players care? No. So, uh, yeah, for me, again, when you got last year, players like Huibier, Regulon, Sun, getting played week in, week out, getting overused, burnt out, getting injured or just generally getting overly fatigued. It was always going to be a case of like, okay, let's just try and almost treat it like, I guess, how we would on like football manager or something, for example, just mm-hmm. you just rest all the players you can and then come fresh for the weekend because really and truly we've got a big game. Uh, against West Ham away from home as well so it's a must-win game for us if we um, if we end up pulling off and get the result then more credit goes on to Nuno but again if he if the team don't get a result he doesn't get a result he's invited that pressure on himself and he's gonna have to obviously hold his hands up if if he's got it wrong but as for the game on the weekend uh, we'll get into it a little later on, but we've obviously just had a game on the on the weekend before Vitesse. A much more positive note, to be fair, because going into that game, it was honestly ridiculous. Like, yeah, you touched upon it. We had the South Americans who had literally just played um, on that Friday, arrived back in the country on the Friday to play on Sunday. Um, it was insane because they had to travel. I believe they had to travel from South America as well. So. Yeah. As well as fatigue from the game, they got the jet lag, um, mad, and then obviously it came through. There was news which broke. I think it's day before the game. Human Son and Brian Hill um, had positive for COVID tests done on the lateral flow. Um, at that at that point, I was thinking, okay, with the South Americans and Human Son being out. Honestly, like if some was to go into trading, lips up the whole squad and infect everyone, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad because everyone would get infected and the game would be called off. I don't care. It could be as fruity as you want to say it is. Honestly, like if we had had it called off at that point, I would not have been mad. But it turns out um, Hill and Son took PCR tests and it turned out that the lateral flow tests were false positive and they, in fact, were negative on the pcr so okay we got told they were available and then it said the south americans at stretch were available south americans being the salsa yeah cool um emerson royale davidson sanchez yeah. and uh why am i saying christian romero kuti romero who we we need this guy so yeah that was a few couple boosts before the game which we needed and um tops how were you feeling going into that game um, obviously with that positive news actually coming before the game newcastle obviously have all of their tails up players are playing for their lives the fans are on our back did you expect us to mentally crumble i did um honestly, um, I, did. I did i did honestly i was looking at it and when i saw the team i thought brilliant that's the strongest team that we possibly could play all the players that we wanted to play, 
were in that were in that team. All all the players that we had uh, played in the game against Villa were playing. So I was I was happy with the team, but knowing the kind of you know the kind of team and the kind of group that we are, I did think it was going to be a bit of an occasion. Um, you know, even without the owners being um, the new owners being there and the takeover and that. Newcastle away is never a, it's never an easy game to go to. So um, I know we've done quite well the last couple of years there. Uh, we won quite well. Uh, or did we draw, I think, last time? We drew. Yeah, we drew. Yeah, Matt Ritchie late. It was a late goal, wasn't it? No, I Willett. Mean, sorry, Willett. I was, I, I, was, I was of the mindset that let's just try and get through it. And if we lose... I wouldn't be I, I won't be like unhappy because that's just kind of how it is with us. But um going into it and reading into what everyone was saying, uh, I didn't really know what to think. Um and then after the first goal went in, uh, I mean in my head I was like, Well <laughs> I kind this of know, I, I kind of know how this is gonna go. But then I mean, yeah, we slowly got back into it and then I and then I realised fully that Newcastle were cheats anyway. I mean, uh, the reason that they are... The thing is, are... in the reverse fixture away to St. Joseph, I don't know if you mentioned it, but they had no Callum Wilson and yeah. no St. Maximam in that game. So coming into this one with their full set of players available for their best 11 anyway, yeah. and then for them to have their tails up and the fans literally going for them, this was always going to be a mad one for us. Because Joe freaking Willock an equaliser against us last time oh, and they battered us they actually outplayed us as well that was the that was the worst thing they did, yet, they did. yeah that was worse than joe wick scoring they actually outplayed us bro yeah i mean in the end uh we turned we turned around that first half not quite well um you know tongi were getting in, in really good positions we were allowing regulon to get quite high up the pitch there was lots of good interchange between the front three. You know, um, people were taking up their positions and their right positions in the team um, in terms of average positions throughout the game. Um, Kane staying most forward. Tongi, like, operating quite nicely in, like, the final third. And um, the fullbacks moving quite high as well. So we did cause a lot of problems for them. And rightly so, you know, went into the first half um, in the lead. Uh, although, you know, we gave away a, a comedic second goal and John Joe Shelby getting himself sent off in like eight or nine minutes probably helped as well. But um, I'm not going to say no to three points at St. James's Park at the, uh, on the birth of a, of, a, of a takeover, to be honest with you, so... It's beautiful, and now um, you're watching the game as well. I, I assume you thought we would probably mentally crumble in that game as well. Um, and how, how did you see that first half play out from your perspective? Because obviously we took a while to settle. Obviously that uh, goal geared us up instead of actually making us implode into a dark, dark hole. So, was you actually impressed by that first half performance? You're a quite hard man to impress, so it'll be interesting to hear. Um, interestingly enough, leading up to the game, I said we will lose three one. 
I think it was 3-1. I said we will concede three goals. That holds the truth. Um, because at that point, if I'm correct, we weren't sure whether the South American players were going to be playing. Um, South American in the sense of uh, Davison Sanchez, Emerson Royale and uh, Christian Romero. And then obviously the guy that has South American heritage, but really is from Europe, uh, Lasoso. Uh, we wasn't sure if he would be on the bench because uh, that's where he should really be for the rest of his life. Um, and then, obviously, the day before, I get wind that uh, Brian Hill and uh, Son may have had COVID. And I'm like, well, we are going to die. <laughs> yeah, we are going. We're going to die so badly. Yeah. And then on the day, I see the lineup. I'm like, okay, that's an interesting lineup. It's the best lineup. It's the best team that we have, yeah, in terms of our personnel. That's probably the best. Mm -hmm. um, there is absolutely, I can't think of anybody coming in. Actually, I can because anybody that takes dire spot for me <laughs> may be better, but they could be worse. However, after we conceded the first goal, after two minutes, the next 10 minutes I watched and I was like, nah. Newcastle are dead, you know. <laughs> like, seriously, that 10 minutes, after the goal we conceded, I was like, if we lose to this team, we deserve to get relegated. Because I was like, this team is poo. Yeah. And when we scored, I was like, it's, yeah, we're going to win this. Yeah. When we went 2-1 two, two, up, I was like, yeah, cool. Yeah, bruv. We're going to win this. Then we went 3-1 up. I was like, mm, it is in the DNA to throw this away. <laughs> like it's it's just it's just there, bro, to to do nonsense. And it got to like not mentioning the DNA, bro. It got to like there was a passage of play. Yeah, honestly, there was a passage of play in the second half where we were bopping it. Like I mean, pass, pass, pass. Man couldn't get near us, and I was like, Newcastle are dead. And we are definitely going to concede. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, it's written in the freaking stars that this dry team is still going to score past us. Then John Joe Selvi got sent off. And can I say, John Joe Selvi, well done. Um, this was the time in your life to right all the wrongs that you've made up until this point and hopefully get your last contract um before you decide to retire from your career but i promise you now the mandem from abu dhabi have terminated your contract already <laughs> it does not exist it is gone yeah bruv the moment this guy got sent off i said you have ended your in bruv you are done you are done that done don't good. even dare ask for any sort of extension you're getting to you're getting sold in January. That's how you know you're crap. You're going in January. However, Eric, diabolical dire is... It's interesting he conceded this free kick as well. He, he conceded doubled down. Kick. He conceded a free kick. Stupid free kick, by the way. Mm. But the level... And before I finish off, I'd say, obviously, thank God that, you know, the fan that did um, have the Mm -hmm. Cardiac arrest, I believe. Um, it, I believe he's made a or made a recovery. Uh, hopefully, it's a full recovery and he's fine. But back onto the game, 
I just know Dyer is crap. But that goal, that own goal, if if you had any doubts, can show you how crap he is. The ball is in flight. You can see the ball from the moon to the ground. Nobody is impeding your vision. Not a rat, not a fly, not the grass, not the 3G pebbles that fly off around when you take a strike. Nothing was impairing your vision. Why have you put your head down to head a ball that is at knee height? For no, no, no. <laughs> Jesus, why have you done this? I, I just have no idea what was he trying to do. What was he trying to do? I just don't know. What? And the thing that made it worse is the moment it hit his knee, I know everybody, everybody, even if you're not a fan of Spurs, everybody that saw it hit his knee, they were like, goal. Lloris was not saving that. That was perfect. Dyer is, Dyer is our most senior centre-back. People understand we are in hell. Yeah, not Jan Vertonghen, not Toby Alderweireld, not Ledley King, not Gary Mavert. We are in the we're in the twilight zone. The last time we had a defender this bad, and was our senior defender, was Michael Dawson. Wow. <laughs> And yes, Michael Dawson is one of our ambassadors. And like I've told you guys multiple times, I couldn't care less because he's at the top of the stairs. And you know what that means. <laughs> Come on down. Michael Dawson was crap. Eric Dyer is crap. There was a few other crap defenders in between that time period. What what, what difference is Dyer to us than Gilberto? What, what difference is he? True. You, do you remember Gilberto? Yes. Oh my God! The guy was so bad that Pez, Pez itself had had the the right body type for him. Anytime you put him in your team, you were going to concede. How can a computer game get your your body type correct that they know that you're that crap? Eric Dyer needs to be sold in January. We need two centre backs because Davison Sanchez can't be trusted, and I'm not going to lie to you guys, uh, Rodon. Uh, can be sold, please, please, <laughs> please, please, sell him, <laughs> sell him, sell him, sell him. Yeah, I'm glad that we got the win over Newcastle because they are a bit of a bogey team. If I'm going by history, not in recent years, but in in history, going up to St James's Park has been tricky for us, um, especially when we need a victory. They always seem to want to turn it up. And honest, honestly, I hope Newcastle get relegated. I, I I don't really care for this Maybe. takeover nonsense. I hope they go down. Um, I hope they go down emphatically. And um, I hope that the owners are like, yeah, we're not here to be in the championship. And they pull all their money away. And that club becomes liquidated. Because I ain't got time for it. It's nonsense. It's bad attitude. Why are you trying to turn up against us? Turn up against Arsenal, you Chiefs. Well, and to conclude that game just quickly as well, like, I was genuinely quite impressed with how... Men, like how we approached the game mentally in the end. I fully expected us to crumble going into that game, let alone when we conceded that smug asshole Callum Wilson. I just don't like him, especially after he scored that penalty against us, which shouldn't have even been a penalty. And then he came out in the post-match interviews, smug as hell, even though his team got absolutely slapped. 
And um, yeah, it took us like 10, 15 minutes to settle. And we actually got hold of the ball really, really well. We trusted it. We actually put together a lot of good combinations. And um, again, the degree of control we showed in the second half, albeit against a, a bad, bad team on paper, um, was, was really, really good. So again, we need to show that again on the weekend, but it's definitely a performance to build on for sure. In my opinion, I, I mean, I've said this so many times in the last like year, 18 months, like, okay, cool. That's a performance we can build on. Oh, that's a good foundation to build on. And it falls apart by the next week. So, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, I just wanted to get into some individual performances quickly because there's been some standard for certain players and there's certain players that really took the game by the scruff of the neck. There was one in particular. Um, Tops, I'm sure you'd be more than happy to speak on one of the players at least. Um, so there's a couple of players that have got standard as well. So what did you make, Tops, of the performance of Sergio Regulon and a certain Tongi Ondombele. Um, what do I make of their performances? So, to be honest with you, uh, Regulon, he's been on my hit list last for the last month or so, to be honest. He has, that's why I came to you. Um, I've just not been... I've just The one thing about him is, is that I've just not been convinced because... Like, I think he's a very... I think he's a good player. But one thing I always say about him, and I think it's very similar to QT Romero, even though they're different types of defenders, that he's very raw, you know? He still has this aspect of his game that needs to be somewhat refined, you know? He's he's a decent attacker. He could be a better defender. But there's something there, you know? And I feel like... I don't know, this calendar year, ever since the injury that he sustained, he hasn't really been at it. But on the weekend, I mean, against um, Mankio uh, on that right-hand side, he, he did he did seem to do a job on Mankio and, um, say, Maximon. They didn't really have great games on the weekend. And he was able to get himself into really good attacking positions. Got the assist for the first goal. Um, was still attacking way into the second half to get Shelby sent off. Um, mm-hmm. I was impressed with him. I was impressed with him, to be honest with you. And these are kind of performances, you know, against players like, say, Maximum. And generally in the Premier League, this is the kind of level that we want him to kind of be at. Because I said, there is a player there. I do believe um, that he has the qualities to be a, a very good left back in, in the league. But I just feel like he hasn't shown it. He just hasn't shown it on a consistent level. Um, and I hope maybe this performance, you know, can maybe prove to him as well um, that he can maintain this sort of level and continue to play on this. Um, also very, very, like, proud that he was one of the guys to recognise something happening in the stands. Um, I feel like sometimes maybe when you're even in a game like that, you don't really notice anything else that's happening in the stadium. We maybe even sometimes try to block these things out. So fair play to him um, for noticing it and bringing it up to the, the ref as well. Um, and you mentioned Tongi. Oh, I mean, yeah, talk to me about this always, guy. 
I'm always going to be happy when he plays well, but I just need to see it more consistently. Consistently, I think that game on the weekend in his is it three or four years he's been at Tottenham would be his tenth or eleventh ninety-minute game. I mean, in the scheme of things, it's for a record signing. It's just not good enough. And although he has the ability to put teams like Newcastle you know, who've got a midfield of bloody long staff and whoever was in there. So he can put them to the sword. I just need to see my record signing do this more consistently. I mean, I feel like the 4 2 3 one um, formation suits him. And as, we, as, as we've all been kind of screaming, by having Skip and Hoybier in there, in that 4 2 3 one sort of role, with him kind of floating in that 10 area, it gives him a bit more of a free roll and a bit more like um, of, a, of of an ability to get forward and get on the ball. And if he does need to maybe, you know, track back and fill in in the midfield, midfield areas whilst the other two go forward, then he's also got the, the ability to do that. So I was happy with him. I mean, I, I, I still think we need to build a lot of what we do when we're progressing the ball through him. But games like that against Newcastle, on the weekend, his performance, the fact that he finished 90 minutes, the fact that he scored and was very integral in a lot of the good stuff that he did, I'm happy about. But I just want to see it, you know, I just want to see him do it more. And it's also, what I think is important as well is that like, in the team, you can clearly see that a lot of the, lot of the, his teammates, they clearly trust him and they clearly know his ability. So, if they know his ability and they trust him more, and he starts to see performances like that on a more regular basis, he can also build his confidence. And he can also start to think, OK, you know what? 90 minutes at this level, I can actually do it. I don't need to be gaffed out by 70. I don't need to worry about the manager pulling me off. Because it was a funny old game. The ref, I think, Nuno didn't make a sub in the end. So he played... I was going to go on for that. That's true. No sub. You know, he was very happy to, to do that. So it's not as if... He doesn't trust the eleven that are on the pitch, but if he ever feels that maybe Tongi's not, you know, he's not pulling his weight or he's not doing what he should be doing over the ninety, yeah, he will pull him off. And Sunday just it was a game that he didn't, you know. So fair, fair play to them both, you know. As as Yao said, um, you know, we did look pretty much in control uh, for large periods of the game. Although Newcastle are cheats, um, it's good oh, that they man. were able to give them all a rest, which I think is important. And we've got a different opposition um, because we've got our fourth London derby of the season coming up this weekend. But yeah, I was going to um, address that as well. I've almost forgot to. The amount Newcastle were just fouling us time after time after time. But lots yeah, no, of I was cynical, particularly fouls, yeah, to try to break up play, yeah. Dirty. Dirty man. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with um, Tongi's game management and it's a testament to his football brain, I think, because he essentially just took the game by the scruff of the neck initially when we went 1-0 down for me while still covering uh, Regulon off the ball. Always demanded the ball and particularly for me, my only worry for him playing as that kind of advanced eight, ten, whatever you want to call it, as our most advanced midfielder was him having that kind of natural instinct to attack that space in behind, to be a presence in the box and in our attack in, in general. Um, 
but he managed that one as well. Like he obviously got the equalising goal with a really tidy slap finish, right to the corner. Um, constantly remained a threat in the attack. And then when we looked to control the game, especially more in the second half, he was constantly dropping along the same line as Hoybier and Skip. And just just tidy little interplays between them, just to progress us a bit slower up the pitch. Just just to slow the game down. We didn't need to do anything crazy. We didn't need these traditional 99 miles per hour counter attacks, which we've seen the last 18 months, two years. Let's just actually control the game, keep the ball, take the sting and alleviate pressure off our defence, which is what he did as well, while continuously, again, being a, a threat in attack. So, yeah, a really complete performance, I thought, from Tongu. But like you were saying as well, Tops, he's got a build on it. I think that's just a, a fraction of what we can see from him. If he does it against a team like West Ham, then really and truly power to him and us. And, um, yeah, I was going to continue with another two players. There's one who you could caveat um, with him just coming back from, from playing uh, in international duty. In Emerson Morale, uh, Emerson Morale Royale. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I'm just going to blame it on me being ill. Uh, Emerson Royale, I thought he had a really shaky game, in my opinion, especially against someone like Joel Linton. And um, to see what you made of his performance and Pierre Oilberger Hoybier. <laughs> who you've been um, getting on to recently and as far to say as I think he even fell down the stairs in your mind at one point so what did you make of his or both of their performances um, with with Royale I think a lot of people I, I don't like doing this by the way but a lot of people need to realise that um, he's he has been considered to be and a lot of the scouting report on him has been that he is a raw talent so there's going to be games where he's like quite sound and there's going to be games where he's a bit, you know, not, not too sure as to what it is he has to do. However, he's coming to a new team. He's coming with a new setup. He will take time to settle in. He's had some good performances. Um, I fought personally against um, Zaha. That was a tough test for him. You know, first game in the season, you get basically one of the, the better wingers in the league just hounding you down every single minute. It was a long day for him. And he didn't really, like, shy away. Yeah, he didn't have a great performance against Zaha, but he didn't shy away. And that's what I took from it. I was like, all right, cool. He's not, you know, he had a bad performance in my books, but he didn't, like, cower away. He didn't, like, say, no, you know what? I'm going to step away and just let you have fun. I'm going to keep challenging. Even if you're going to rip me, I'm still going to keep challenging. And I can respect that. Um, Against Joel Linton, Joel Linton is... He is Spurs' kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about that guy and Spurs. He sees us on the calendar and he's like, that's the game. That's the game in which I'm going to turn up and I'm going to do damage. So, again, Emerson Royal didn't shy away from that challenge. He took him on. Uh, it wasn't a great game, uh, but I wouldn't say it was a terrible game at all. I think it, it was an average game for, for Emerson Royale. Um and in the long run, if I'm looking over the 90, 90 minutes, he he done he done enough. I'm not going to say he was great, but he done enough um, to help the team win. Now talking about um, 
oil burger. Last mm-hmm. point to make. That guy, he's still at the top of the stairs. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> listen, when you're at the top of the stairs, you don't just come off. Yeah, you have to earn the right to come off. Yeah, he's still at the top of the stairs. Now, granted, he may have not taken steps forward, but you're still there, and we're still looking at you, and our hands are still waiting to bring you on down. <laughs> I'm gonna highlight one passage of play. I promise you, I nearly lost it in my house when I saw this happen. We <laughs> break forward. Son is to the left of Hoiberg. Kane is to the right. Son has two defenders following him. Kane has nobody. Hoiberg decides to pass the ball to Son. I said, for the love of Jesus Christ, do you know how stupid you have to be on a footballing perspective to pass the ball to the guy that has two defenders following his run as opposed to the guy who's literally free on your right-hand side. And it dawned on me, he didn't even look up. He just looked forward. Yeah, I remember this passage of play. It looked like he had made his mind up before he'd even progressed the ball. The only time that works, yeah, and this is the only time that works, that that particular play, is if you have high-level IQ attackers. And what would have happened is he passed the ball to Son. Son then returned the ball back to Hoiberg, who's now running into the space in which he's passed the ball. Hoiberg then passes the ball to Kane, who's completely free on the right. And Kane gets off a shot or passes it across the box. And it's a tapping. Now, that's me breaking down the play as to what it should have been if you're using high IQ football. But we don't have that in our squad yet. So you passed it to Son. Son got on the ball and done and then let off one Pepe Le Pew shots that the keeper just picked up like an unborn baby. Listen, hear what I'm saying. Hoiberg needs to understand that if you're not going to do the right things for 90 minutes, then please, for the love of my heart, when you've done your right thing in the game, turn to the manager and signal yourself off, yeah? Tell, tell him you've done, you've met your quota and get off the pitch, yeah? Because I don't need to see the nonsense that will transpire later. Yes, he got the assist in the first half. Great pass, great idea. But that's like, that happens once in 90 minutes. That happens once every three weeks. That's not good enough. Colby has done that a few times this season, Um once bad. every three weeks, we've played like 12 games already in the season. So once every three weeks is when he hits a good enough pass or a pass where you're like, oh, that was tasty. That's but, the, but the nonsense that he does where he's passed the ball to the guy, when there's another guy free, he does that quite regularly. And I'm not having it. So Hoybier stays at the top of the stairs. He's not halfway down the stairs like certain man, Lacelso and Suspect. Their man are on their way out. And Deli Ali and Harry Stinks are already at the bottom of the stairs. They should be gone yesterday. <laughs> well, just to follow on again from the, the Newcastle performance, um, I'll give special mention out to Lucas Mora, even though he frustrated me a lot during that game, just not getting his head up, running into players. As per, he actually had a lot of really good um, link up and combination players, well, one of which resulted in the third goal. Um, 
it just shows like when he gets his head up, he's actually a really, really dangerous player. Because technically he's got it all. He's just like no brain. Um, it's just when he gets his head up, it's effective. Yes, but it really happens. Uh, Oliver Skip, fantastic again. Um, especially in the defensive phases of play, but it looked to be expressing expressing himself a little bit more. Still looks a bit timid to me, so I'm hoping that he just comes out of his shell more and more. Obviously, our next league game should hopefully see that in him. And, um, yeah, shout out to Human Son as well, man, because he uh, came in clutch again. And um, I'll, I'll stay reserved on, on Mook for now. Um, I've just seen something, and I don't know how That's true okay. this is. Yeah. But if this is true, honestly... Like this guy has to go in December. Like he, ha- like Ooh. I know the I know the January transfer window starts in January, but in December the first, we have to sell him immediately. Okay. I'm going to read to you Delhi Ali's first half. I stats. knew it was going to be yeah. Delhi as well. Oh Fuck my god, hell. I could not believe what I've just read. Yeah. So goals and assists are zero, but that's fine. Whatever. He had Whatever. zero key passes, zero successful dribbles, zero what? accurate crosses, zero shots. Zero ground rules one, zero tackles one, zero interceptions, zero percent ground rules one, zero out of four. So he had four ground rules, lost all four of them. Zero take ons, only one take on, didn't even make it. Two dribbles, he had two times two, he was dribble past. That was his first half stat. Listen to me. The guy is at the bottom of the stadium. He's not even at the bottom of the stairs, right underneath the stadium with the astral turf for the freaking NFL. He has to go. Useless. Right, if there's anyone here in this pod, they're not gonna want to buy him. So yeah, Newcastle will be invoicing you that that 20 million soon. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to get into it, but I mean we just have to like at least. A lot of us guys, you know, new Spurs order guys, we've been saying this and knowing this. And everybody that's been bleeding this bullshit Remontado rubbish, it's like they're now realising it. But we need to get rid of him before everybody realises it. Because if we don't, we ain't going to get a penny for him. Like, like, he just looks so out of sorts right now. And like and I said it in the group as well, and I've known this because I, I tell you what, I've known this because I used to watch him when Poch used to play him in that like central midfield six slash eight role, and I'd always be like, oh, Ali's not great technically, and as you watch his game more and more, because you are highlighted of his game more and more when you see him play in such little bouts here and there, it just it really does compound the fact that, like, at a technical level, he's really not that great. And his skill set very much relies on his ability to, one, get in, in behind after the last man, and two, to score goals. And what's crazy is that those two things that he's actually very good at, as Yao just said, the stats show that he's not even getting anywhere near to what he was used to doing before. So everything else is actually being amplified and made to look even worse than it probably is. Personally, I don't think he's great technically. And uh, I feel like it's in his best interest for his career that he leaves. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I mean, 
you know, we can't keep beating this dead, dead horse, man. We just have to say, fine, if we can get rid of him in January or in the summer, we'll do so. But his time in the first team at Tottenham is absolutely finished. Sack him. Yeah, don't even don't even freaking sell him. Sack him. Terminate his contract. We don't need him. It almost feels like milking a fleshless cow, doesn't it? Like oh, even it actually yeah. hurts to slam him still. Or obviously, just seeing what's in front of us, it's it's, it's just it's really stunning. hard to watch. Like a lot of his, um, and I, I still feel like he actually used to be a good, or a decent, adequate midfielder, even when we operated him deep. Uh, I, I guess around like 2018 times that just started to disappear away a bit with his injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, just these back to back to back to back hamstring injuries um, made him just physically a lot poorer than he was before because a lot of what he did well in midfield was essentially his intensity in his positional game. He used to essentially be everywhere. I test it was Lampard esque, and he used to get by midfield by. I mean, his close control on the ball actually made him pretty press resistant as well. It actually was a lot sharper than what we're seeing now, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, I don't know where that's gone. And even his finishing looks really, really poor now. Like, even when we've been playing him, he's missed quite a few easy chances and you think that even okay even when you're playing poor generally in games that like you'd still be tucking those away but like everything just seems to have have withered away with him and he needs he needs another team to play him if they do play him and even now like i just don't know how much these injuries have well and truly affected him but obviously on the eye test it looks really really damning and really really bad for him i think even like people in the group chat have alluded to just him looking a lot a lot heavy footed like a lot more heavy footed than he would yeah. and i know he's been bulking up in pre-season i don't know if that's done it or, or mean, what I, I don't know man like he's he's a tall guy he's like six one or six two he's although he has bulked up he's still fairly slender looking i mean yeah no, I just don't know why that like, I didn't really see bulking up as like the answer to him coming back like to his best physical shape. Mm-hmm. Like he, he like he even alluded to being some like super country runner when he's youth and he used to have those KMs in. It was the intensity he was putting those KMs in as well. He was a bastard on the pitch. He was. Like was. He was on everyone. He was on everyone. And don't forget, like, when he was coming up like in the Starboy rankings, people had Mbappe below him from before 2019 time. So before <laughs> Mbappe even properly... You know those, like, most valuable young players, Nick? Right? That must have been... <laughs> 2018, that's you would have had, had This was, like... Delhi was worth probably double what Mbappe nah, was. Nah, there was nah, like Delhi, Harry season. Kane, Delhi were nah, the two nah, most nah, valuable youngsters in the world. Even, even Kane's best season, and you guys know this from this because maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm tough, tough in it, tough but, but Delhi's best season, I could I could easily point out 10 games in which I was like, any minute now, this guy's going to get found out by the league <laughs> and we're done for. 
Yeah, like, and it didn't mean that I thought he was crap. That wasn't it. Yeah, but there's a it's when we're talking about star level. So, for instance, the way we talk about Brian Hill, yeah, it can go one or two ways. It's either he he hits he hits the top the the freaking bottom of the roller coaster and he flies clean into the stratosphere, or the roller coaster never takes off because. You can see it in the way he moves, the way he passes, the way he finds himself in certain positions. You're like, he has the ability, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take off. Deli Ali came into the league, and the first thing I thought is, the league has no clue how to deal with this kid. Just like any any league would 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 deal, like he could have gone any league, and I was like, the league has no clue how to deal with this kid. Yeah, Agreed. and the way, and we're gonna find out the moment the league finds out how to deal with this kid. We're gonna find out what he's really about, and it happened the following season. I was like, he's "What done. year was this?" So d- directly after his um, best season, I can't remember the. Ex- I think it was sixteen, seventeen. I want to say, um, but there was a season where he scored like, and all I remember is Watford were in the league and we banged them four nil. I think it was the last year that we were at um, White Hart Lane. That's yeah, it was yeah, yeah it was yeah. Is that the way he scored that curling? Yeah, uh, yeah, long yeah. We, we yeah. banged them up. Yeah, and I, I was like, mm, all right, cool, yeah. But I was adamant, adamant. We're going to find out what this kid's really about when the league finally, when the league, not a few teams, the league finds out how to do with this kid. And the following season, the drop-off was mad. Like, it didn't, for most people, they didn't clock it. They didn't realise, rah, this guy's declined, like, Big time. They just thought, oh, no, he had a few bad performances. I was like, well, we're in trouble now. The following season, it was even worse. And then the season after, and all, it just kept going down. Down. Like, Jose's, um, Poch's last 18 months, horrible. Freaking Jose's tenure, horrible. It's even worse now. And this, this is the season in which he's like, yeah, I've gone Abu Dhabi, freaking done some training. I've painted the dreads in it. I'm pamming pep. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, de- I'm doing I'm doing real guy things. Yeah, man. I'm back in it, bruv. Yeah. This is that season. He's giving you all that gas and it's gone nowhere. It's just zero minus. Yeah. That's how you know everyone's everyone's clocked it. And that happens in football. Sometimes it like some people don't want to admit, but sometimes your best years. Are those first few years where nobody knows what you are? They don't. They don't know who or what you are as a player. And then when they find out, that's when you realize who the best are. That the true, true best because they have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Like even when we talk about the Messi's and Ronaldo, people will be like, "Ah, oh, but they've played with X amount of players and all that kind of stuff." Messi even understood at a young age, bruv, I can't be doing all of this box to box running." taking on 25 man, putting it top bins. I'm not going to do that, yeah? But what I will do, yeah, is I'll walk around this pitch and look like I'm not interested. And then when the time comes, a pass is going to come onto me and I'm going to give you all energy. And you're in trouble because you already know he's got the quick feet. He's going to do something. It For Messi, it only takes four minutes in 90 and you know he's going to cause havoc. For players like Ali, you need the 90. You need every second of the 90. You're not good. So you need to do something in 90 minutes to stand out. You get six out of 10 for just kickoff. 
Referee blows the whistle. Six out of ten. That's your rating. <laughs> it was like you and had an average game. Yeah, you had an average game. Straight. That's your rating. Six out of ten. Referee blows the final one. It might go down to, to five out of ten because you were dry. But Ali's so poor that instead of getting six or five, he's getting fours and threes. <laughs> Do you know how bad of a game you have to have to get fours and threes as your overall rating? You have to be under the ground of nonsense. It's it's bad. Strange one. He's having the what what I would what I would say he's having he's having little or no effect on games anymore, which is like utterly remarkable. To be honest, injuries don't do this to a guy. From, yeah. from, no, from no. He, I don't know from what he was doing to having yeah. little or no impact on games, exactly. and not just in terms of on the stat line. From his general performance, that like those those stats you were reading out, that's not the first time I've heard stats like that in a game for Deli Ali this season. Ninety minutes in, in ninety minutes of play, it's impossible. It's, it's, it's borderline. It's borderline impossible to have that many zeros amongst your name in a in a forty five minute game, let alone a, a ninety minute game. And what's what's even more frightening is. People will be like, yeah, but he's had injuries and, you know, he's been in and out of the squad. Okay, fine. Yeah. I promise you, there is no amount of injuries that can actually give you such a steep decline in your ability like that. You can have bad games. You can have a bad run. But you cannot be that bad because of injuries. You just can't. Because mm. everyone will see, even Lamella is the best example. Lamella's hip went at 22. His hip was done. He was pamming his wife too much. Yeah. His hip was absolutely collapsed at 22. <laughs> yeah. And you could name, you can name at least 15 games in which you're like, yeah, Lamella was probably our best player. You could do that. You could actually do that. Even if you don't like the guy, you could actually be like, you know what? He was our best player. I don't really want to admit it, but he was. Ali's had what? Three hamstring injuries. The guy's our worst player. He's been I think can double that. I think it's I think it's closer to double that. Uh, with hamstring injuries, thigh injuries. And even when he was playing like peak games, he had like all these all this like strapping. Oh no, he was doing guy. That, that, strap, that strap stuff. I don't believe that stuff. He was doing guy, bruv. I don't boo-hoo, even know why he was wearing that, to be honest. But he was doing boohoo. Yeah. To find it out. But yeah, you, you touched upon um Sorry, I was just saying that you were touching upon like, yeah, no one wants to admit it, and as it, I didn't want to admit it. Not even mainly because of my my bias for him or my my love for Delhi at the time, but since earlier, it's probably around 2018 times as well, where he he genuinely was the most valuable youngster in Europe at that time. In 2018, the main guys on the on touchline fracker, and it was mostly those Chessy boys. They were calling him Smelly Alley from 2018, <laughs> comparing him to Loftus Cheek. Wow! And I, I did not want to believe the allegations, and now it's nearly four years down the line, and they finally won. So they finally won. Love congratulations! Yeah, you, you probably won this, and it looks like Loftus Cheek is actually going to get more minutes than Denny in this Premier League season. So, yeah, fair play, cool, well done. And Loftus Cheek is actually a really good player. Don't get me wrong. He is. Yeah. He is. He looks a good player, and you know he's like again. That's someone who has had his his time of injuries, 
But again, like he's looked at his game. True. He's honed what parts of his game he doesn't need to do and looked at what parts of his game that he's good at and used those skills and is playing in a position which best plays to those attributes. And, you know, like, I watched that game against... I know we're going off topic. I watched the game against Brentford. And he played... I thought he played very well. And it was funny because I'd known that they wanted to play him in a more of a deeper role. But then I didn't think it'd actually work. And having watched that game, I was like, God, that's probably where he probably should be playing. You know? Um, I just felt like in my last segment, I just read Deli Ali's eulogy. <laughs> uh, it's just properly dawned on me. Deli I mean, Ali's honest, eulogy. You know, I, I, honestly, why are we giving Ali more airtime? Honestly, like, uh, do you know what it is? It's because it's because it's because of the Spurs media. They've been feeding into us. Oh, yeah, yeah. With their bullshit about Deli Remontada. Deli this, Deli that, dreads this, dreads that. Shut the fuck up, man. Shut the fuck up, man, honestly. Man. Let's just be done with this now, man. <laughs> and, uh, Yao, did you uh, have anything to conclude that as you... Uh, our top said, why did we end up talking about Deli? Uh, because Yao uh, read out his damning first-half stats of the game and, <laughs> you know, we just felt like we agreed his eulogy. But, yeah, did you have anything to conclude that? You're muted, bro. That's why you're on mute as well. Can you hear me? Is that about <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in the in the summer, we said ten out, ten ten hog in. Yeah, like that was that was the little, the little who you know, little samba dance. We gave we gave it to them. Give it to them. Yeah, and then ten hog didn't come. Cool. Hear what I'm saying? Delhi Ali needs to be sacked. Yeah, there there comes a time. Yeah, in life where where man has to go, bro. Yeah. The guy, him, Winks, Dyer. I mean, all three names sound crap, yeah? Deli Ali is not... Look, listen. The guy's name is not Deli and it's not Ali, yeah? We have to be respectful to Uncle, yeah? And I apologise because Uncle, I've been disrespectful. I know Uncle listens to this. That's why he's got the judge on his son at maximum, Yeah. So I will pronounce your son's name correct. Baba Deli. Yeah. That yeah. boy is to go back to his roots because Papa has made sure you've got no energy, no nothing. Everything has been want. Yeah. And you need to apologize to your father. Yeah. Immediately. Otherwise, your bruv. Yeah. If Deli's not careful, he's going to wake up. There's going to be something in his bed and it's not going to be a girl. You know what I'm saying? It's unfortunate for him. He needs to apologise immediately. And Winks needs to be sacked as well. Cool. With that being said, Nuno out, innit? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't change. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't change. The guy has to go. He has to go. Are you saying Nuno out, Ten Hag in, or did you have someone else in mind? Bruv, I'll take Ten Hag. Everyone knows I wanted Conte, but it's fine. I'll take Ten Hag. Bruv, at this point, I'll take Zidane and nine players gone. I We need... We need a man, bruv. Nuno, nah, bruv. Nuno could win. I said this earlier in the podcast, um, earlier in the week, even. Nuno could win the FA Cup. I still want him sacked. As far, I couldn't care less what Nuno does with this first team. He has to go, bruv. He just has to go. I'm not here for the stress. 
I'm, I've lived long enough of a life yet that I should be enjoying life. I should be where the City fans are. Just, uh, yeah, you're facing my team. Oh, well, you, you might get a win. You might, if you're lucky, you get me? We might, we might play our second team. You might get a win. I should be feeling like that, but no. Yeah, what's going to happen in the next few years? Newcastle, Newcastle fans are going to be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you can face our second team. Yeah, yeah, you might, you might get a win. You know, mm, you, know you never know. Yeah, whereas we're like, rah, we need our best team. Harry Kane's 34. Yeah, I think we need to start him. Yeah, that, that's where we're likely to go. Shocking. <laughs> we look like Newcastle in 2005. stereotypes that Harry Kane might be lying about his age. <laughs> <laughs> What like an uh, like, is he like not full English or he might not be. Uh, I've got no. I've got a feeling I've got a feeling Kane's <laughs> Kane's got he's Persian got roots, bro. Kane's got to be, man. Nah, anyway, he's got I'll... he's got Persian okay. roots. Kane's probably thirty six because them he I the decline in his speed is incredible. This guy went from I can run a bit to I'm running backwards. <laughs> and I didn't understand <laughs> it. Hey, listen, listen, they're back to back ankle injuries, man. They, they 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 play a part, they play a part, they man. definitely do. My word. Well, all right, we've uh, touched upon it a few times, but we got a game on the weekend against West Ham. Um, I was just looking against the team they played, um, they put out in the Europa League tonight. They had a hard ish game against Genk, I believe they won 3 0. Rested to say half their team. I'd say they rested Antonio, who lost yeah. one against us. Of course, he's going to get rested. Uh, they rested Fadals, Ben Rama. They played a couple minutes still. And then um, the players that they first team players they did play, sorry, they rested Kufal, they rested their centre backs, uh, Zuma, Obana. Uh, they rested, uh, I said Kufal already, they rested Fabianski even. And the players who are usually in their first team, who played in Cresswell, Rice and Suchek, um, two of which got taken off quite early as well. So they should be nearly as fresh as us. Yeah. So again, uh, pressure on. Um, our, our starting lineup probably speaks for itself. We'll probably be unchanged from the Newcastle game. Uh, so that's, I would just uh, say, how do you think this game's going to go? And um, score predictions, please. Should I go we first? are away from home as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're gonna lose three uh, one. Um, like I said, I told you, <laughs> I'm not with Nuno, and I know we're gonna have our best lineup, but um, nothing, absolutely nothing this season have has convinced me that we're gonna keep a clean sheet. Yeah, and so because because we can't keep a clean sheet. We're going to go against the team that absolutely... If you think Arsenal hate our guts, you've never been to an away game. <laughs> they hate our guts. They, like, with real vim and passion, they dislike us. If they could beat us, like, every single day of the season, they would. They would happily take that off. Instead of taking any trophy, they would happily take beating us. So I think, I think it's either, I, you know, I'll be nice. I'll say three-two defeat, or, and this is a big or, uh, a two-two draw. I don't see us going away and winning against West Ham. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, uh, 
I've, you know what? I've been very interested in West Ham this season because I feel like they've changed like their mantra as a club in terms of the way they play, how they carry themselves. I, I feel like Moyes is doing a good job. So whenever they've been on telly or you know live and stuff, I've tried to watch them. And West Ham at home, they're a real funny. They're a real funny side. Like it's interesting when you watch them away from home. They clearly play lot of their games in like a smash and grab type sort of for, sort of format whereby you know they really try and press as much as they can and they and they try to, to basically create as many chances as they can in order to create to create any goals. I watched them last week at Everton. I thought they were they were pretty much better than Everton and they created I think almost twenty chances in the game on this. Um I think nine or ten on target. So I feel like they play a bit more expansive when they're away from home. But then I've watched them this season at home to Palace. I watched them um, at home to Brentford. And strangely, in both of those games, you know, they lost against Brentford. They drew against Palace. They didn't play very well. They didn't play very well. They've actually um, not won at home in the league. I think uh, the last four games they haven't won. So it'll be very. I know the atmosphere. The atmosphere, the atmosphere will be diff, difficult, and I, I almost feel like we will be kind of prepared because one, we're playing in a formation that we actually prefer now, and two, having the experience of that raucous type atmosphere last week at Newcastle. I can't. Im- I can't actually imagine that the team talk should be much different because you're going up against a team that want to beat you, fans that want to see you lose in a stadium where you don't normally play well. Um, and on, added on, on top of that, you know, we do not want to go four and four um, in London Derby this season. So I feel like having had the week off and time to prepare, I feel like it'll be a draw or we can, we can nick it. I think it'll be a... It'll be a score draw, I think a 1-1 or a 2-2, or it'll be Spurs to nick it 2-1, I think. I think it'll be a tight game, but I mean, I, I just feel like when I've watched West Ham at home, it's weird, they, they just don't perform as well as I, as I usually watch them. And in the games that have kind of been important for them to get a result, they've not really, you know, they drew quite a winnable game against, uh, against Palace, and they weren't great against Brentford either, so... I feel like we'll we'll go into it knowing that you know we can try and get a result. I'm going for a a score draw, two one win to us this weekend. Cool, cool. A little bit of confidence there, to be fair. Um, yeah, that West Ham obviously playing at home against that as well. I'm not sure if I played that out. They didn't have to travel, so yeah, again, they're they're going to be as fit as us. I think the main thing. Um, Obviously, as well as them being really well drilled and defending in their mid blocks and countering their patterns for countering are so cohesive and in sync now, they all know what they're going to do. Um, their set pieces are ridiculously good, and we are ridiculously poor at defending them. So, if I see Ndombele man marking Suchek, I'm going to lose my shit because, for whatever reason, <laughs> whenever we play physical teams, Ndombele will be 
man marking their biggest area. The threat, biggest man, which is the most which stupid makes thing no history. sense. Like when he was what uh, marking man marking Lukaku in our home game um, yeah. against Chelsea. Like uh, there was another game where he was man marking another one. Oh yeah, was it Den Donka against Wolves? Come on. Um, yeah, if we if we go with that kind of um, set up defending set pieces, then we're done. We're done. They physically could manhandle us if they want to. I don't think we've got many tall players. Uh, Eric Dier, Harry Kane, probably the only like really good players who can aerially defend set pieces. Uh, Hugo Lloris isn't great at commanding his box either. So yeah, that's going to be a weak point for us. I think we're. If you're betting men, you'll probably get decent odds on us conceding from a set piece. So, with that said, I don't think we're going to get a clean sheet. However, I do see us being able to hurt them if we can stay mentally resolute or as mentally resolute as we did against Newcastle. Um, I'm going to somewhat steal your prediction tops and go for a 2-2 draw. Because I'm not confident enough in a win. So, yeah, I think a 2 2 draw. I would probably take even before the game as well, to be honest, just so we don't lose another uh, London derby, embarrassingly. And, um, yeah, sorry if you had a few uh, little sound bites coming through a uh, microphone at some point. I think Yao might be playing some uh, violin sounds for us uh, in preparation for the game. <laughs> But yeah, that just about wraps it up. Uh, thank you to those watching the stream. Thank you to those that are listening to us. Uh, we appreciate all of the support. We are still the baby pod on Touchline Fracker. So yeah, any feedback and any um, uh, anything anything is appreciated with us, to be fair. Because um, let's be honest, we need it. And um, yeah, myself, personally, I'll try and aim to be in the Discord on the weekend. Um, Free on Sunday, I believe. So, um, yeah, you'll perhaps see us and a few of the others about. I know Tobes is a regular in the Discord. I know you are as well, Tops. So, yeah, yeah. Um, catch us in there. Catch us every sun, uh, Saturday morning for when the podcast is released, and catch us every Thursday evening for the streams. And uh, again, guys, that's us at the New Spurs Order over and out. Thank you, uh, Scott Hall. Thank you, Booker T, for joining me. That's us. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! Absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! Sports Social Podcast Network.